Hello, friends, and welcome to 10 Minutes with TM File. This is Toyin Falusi, Dr. Toyin Falusi, Infectious Diseases. And I'm doing an episode today on COVID-19 and the infectious disease doctor. And I really debated strongly about doing this and really wasn't. But then just have had a couple of questions, actually more than a couple of questions and texts and emails and direct messaging about, you know, COVID-19 and some of the questions around, you know, should I buy a mask? What can I do to protect myself? You know, is there any treatment? You know, should I cancel my trip? You know, what are you telling your family? Should I keep my kids home from school? And some of these questions have come from a wide variety of people. And so I thought, hey, even though I have nothing new to add to what's already out there, I do it from my perspective as an infectious disease doctor who also has a family all over the world. So I'm an ID doc and, you know, infectious diseases, we do both inpatient infectious diseases, outpatient infectious diseases. I do HIV and viral hepatitis. And when you talk to people about that, usually you get a lot of, wow, that's cool. All the advances with HIV care and therapy, cures for hepatitis C. So everyone, most people think infectious disease are pretty cool. And then when you say I work at Cook County Hospital, they're like, oh my gosh, it's county, it's busy, you must see a lot. And yes, we do. We see a lot of uh, both endemic and also uh, imported uh, infections and a wide variety of things that are rare uh, to the U.S., but from other parts of the world. We see dengue, leishmania, malaria. So it's pretty exciting and uh, rewarding to be an infectious disease doctor in an inner city hospital. But then, even though I'm not an epidemiologist and I'm not an emerging infection disease pathogen uh, specialist, when we have new and emerging pathogens like MERS, we've had we've had SARS, CoV, we've had the Ebola. A lot of these infections, some new, some reemerging over the last you know five to ten years everybody's everybody becomes um, hands on deck within the field of infectious diseases. So even though I have my subspecialty with HIV and viral hepatitis, you become um, an expert automatically when people, friends and colleagues outside of ID ask you a lot of questions. I belong to a, a lot of different groups. So I'm a Nigerian-American uh, trained medical school in Nigeria residency and fellowship in the U.S. I still belong to a school WhatsApp group for my medical school class that has my graduating class that has physicians in Nigeria and physicians outside Nigeria all over the world where we've been talking about this virus and watching to see how it would be handled if it hit Nigeria and just sharing thoughts about the virus. I have a WhatsApp group class for my elementary school from Nigeria. I have a WhatsApp group for my middle and high school where we have a health subgroup and share a lot of information, friends and colleagues and neighbors, people outside of medicine, people in medicine, but outside infectious diseases who ask questions, neighbors, people just wanting to know what to do and asking questions because I'm an ID doc. In addition to that, I have siblings, I have sisters in, in pharma who are part of working on on medications that may have activity against the virus or vaccine development. 
I have sisters who work for um, banking and finance who are looking at the impact of all of this on, on the stock market and um, financials. I have a brother who lives in Nigeria and, and family in Nigeria as we start to worry about when that would hit and what would happen when the first case did hit and how it would be contained and would we have an appropriate response like we did with Ebola and how Nigeria helped curtail that. I have um, siblings who travel for work and so who are worried about just traveling for work and airports and all the sanitary things that come with travel. I have kids and nephews in college who are um, out there, you know, socializing and, and being around a lot of people like they should when kids are in college. I have um, nieces and nephew who are young, who are in, in you know, daycare and preschool. You worry about, um, you know, infections. Fortunately, this virus, we're not seeing a lot in, in young kids. I have uh, a best friend, a very close friend who has family in Iran, which has seen a huge number of cases and deaths. I have parents who are in the age bracket with the highest, higher rate of mortality, you know, the over, you know, closer to 80-year-olds who have a high rate. I have immunocompromised patients who I take care of. I have friends who travel for work. I have family. So all of these people, different converging people who have different um, um, questions and concerns about the virus. And then friends who just want to know what to do, what am I telling my family? So those are all the things that swirl around as you're talking to your colleagues. And when you give answers, sometimes when all you have to say is, well, what's out there? There really is, there is no cure. There is no treatment. Most people will have mild illness and hand hygiene is my best answer. Hand hygiene, hand hygiene, hand hygiene. That doesn't seem very exotic. It seems like as a doctor, you should have a more impressive answer. But for viral infection, that's that's really what we have at this point. There is not a vaccine. There's a big rush to work on vaccine development. There's a drug that's been tried out. But again, there is no treatment, there is no cure, and at this point, there is no vaccine. So really, it's all about prevention, identifying people early, and making sure that uh, people who have severe disease are taken care of. So those are some of the questions I get. And when you say hand hygiene, sometimes it seems not so impressive. The thing is that there are good um, sources of information out there. CDC.gov is updating data daily, WHO. The information is changing sometimes in minutes, in hours. Sometimes, you know, a friend asks you a question and by the time you've responded about what's going on and what country, there's new data on the news. Things are happening really quickly. But the sites that are credible, the CDC website, cdc.gov, the WHO website, there are a lot of other websites. The the experts that have been interviewed on public radio, on in the media, have been credible, providing information. So it's important to keep abreast, but not to panic. And everybody that I have responded to, I have talked about what I'm telling my family, which is not to panic. And so we'll talk about what we do know, what we do know about the virus and how um, it spread. And that it seems that in people who even before symptoms, there might be shedding of the virus. So a lot of it is just not panicking, knowing that the vast majority of people who get the virus will um, have very mild illness, like a flu-like illness, and will get over it. And people with um, extremes of age, especially much older people, 
and people with underlying diseases like diabetes, heart disease, and a compromised immune system are at a higher risk for mortality. Um, but those should be um, at the extremes. So what we do know is that the main thing is hand hygiene. So when people ask me, these are the things I say. One is hand hygiene, hand washing, washing your hands for at least 20 seconds with soap and water, using hand sanitizers and washing your hands as often as possible when you've touched other, um, when you touch surfaces, um, including, you know, the grocery carts, you know, when you're signing things, those are when you share uh, surfaces, uh, doorknobs and things like that, you know, wiping down areas for people who travel a lot, who are on airplanes, kind of wiping down parts of, you know, your seat, your tray tables, uh, overhead light, things like that. And just hand washing, hand hygiene, um, avoiding touching our faces and, um, you know, your eyes, your mouth, you know, eating without washing your hands because the virus can uh, get in through the mucous membranes. Second is staying home if you're sick, contacting your doctor um, if you have mild illness so you can, they usually will figure out now how to get people tested, but avoiding um, being out there and infecting other people if you're sick. Uh, three is looking at ways to boost your immune system, to stay healthy, um, eating right, sleeping well, so that if you do get exposed to vi the virus, um, you're able to fight it. And if you do have uh, come down with an illness, you have a mild illness and recover from it. Uh, speaking up for um, against bad um, hygiene. So if you see people coughing in public spaces, sneezing without covering, speaking up and saying, do you mind? covering your cough with your elbow. Do you mind doing this stuff? Use a tissue, please. So we need to speak up to protect other people. And also knowing that we don't want to clog up um, the hospital. There are people who still need to be in the hospital. There are babies that need to be born, people who have acute illnesses that need to go in so that if people have mild illness to stay home, if you are quarantined because of your travel history or possible exposure to please stay and not expose other people. And bottom line is the best answer we have at this point is hand hygiene, where we're looking at, you know, accelerated vaccine development and uh, looking at medications and clinical trials that may work for people with severe illness. But bottom line is, um, is hand hygiene and uh, avoiding uh, being in, in large crowded places when, um, there is a lot of disease activity in the community. So what are the things that I'm really optimistic about? I do think that when all of this is um, is done and, uh, you know, that hopefully one, that our overall hand hygiene will improve. We do know that during these periods of, of when people are worried, hand hygiene improves and then people kind of reset but hopefully we can have an improvement in an overall hand hygiene when people use the bathroom, when people come and at restaurants, you see people walk out of um, of bathrooms without washing their hands. See people do that at airport um, bathrooms and just keep walking. So overall improved hand hygiene that should be sustained. There are practices in, in certain places where things are shared and communal in churches and sometimes places where um, communal things are shared those practices will need to be um, reevaluated, especially in the periods where there are outbreaks and lots of circulating viruses uh, to improve um, overall hygiene. Second is that there will be 
hopefully continued funding for public health services, as we see with these kind of, of outbreaks and, and infections that are worldwide, that public health infrastructures need to be in place. The staff, the personnel, the data, the things that are needed to be able to have accurate information in real time. Three, the importance of being connected and having credible experts, being able to disseminate information and to know that the world is connected. We can put up barriers and we can put up our borders, but the world is small and a disease everywhere is a disease. A disease anywhere is a disease everywhere. And that it's important to know that and that we need to work together in the world to be able to control spread of these things. And that when we talk about videos going viral or memes going viral, this is what we mean. Viruses have no barriers. They're shared very, very, very efficiently and quickly and can spread all over the world. And that any disease anywhere is potentially a disease everywhere because the world is so connected. Uh, fourth is that infectious diseases, um, physicians and, and health experts in infectious diseases, infectious disease practitioners um, will always be needed in a world where it's a battle of humans against pathogens. And that for those uh, people who are potentially interested in infectious diseases, outbreaks and times like this um, show the importance of these uh, professionals and the importance of having infectious disease people uh, both in the public health, in clinical practice, in pharma, in drug development, in vaccine development, in public health. And those are all areas where infectious disease uh, providers and practitioners are vital. Five is the importance of pharma. Regardless of where you feel about pharma and their profits and the oversight and regulation that is clearly needed, it's important to know that we do need pharma to be able to do things. And so right now we're looking at pharma to come up with the vaccines and work with the government on accelerated drug development and vaccines and um, to prevent this infection. And so it's going to be important that pharma be part of the process as we work on uh, controlling infections, um, both for prevention and for treatment. And that six, health and wellness is going to be important. Health and wellness initiatives that promote our overall health, that prevent, um, that promote healthy habits so that we have uh, people with fewer comorbidities and a better immune system is going to be really important and that we don't panic. And that's what I tell. So as I close, when people ask me, what am I telling my family? What am I telling my kids in college, my nephews in college? my sisters who travel for work, my brother who lives in Nigeria, my parents who are older and, and in the age group, my friend who has family in Iran, my brother who lives in Nigeria, my neighbors who have kids in high school who are worried, my sister who has kids who are um, under five and I'm worried about, I'm worried about them, uh, my family in all over the world, my sister who lives in Washington state right now where they have the biggest number of cases in the U.S., what I tell them is the same. Hand hygiene, washing our hands, avoiding excessive touching of our faces, avoiding crowded places, um, avoiding being coughed or sneezed on, and telling people who are coughing or sneezing to please um, practice good hygiene, um, boosting our immune system with good sleep and nutrition and exercise so we're healthy and not panicking and don't panic. 
And for people who have questions around travel, those are on a case-by-case basis. There's a lot of travel advisories on cdc.gov. The government and new information is being released daily about travel restrictions and things that may be going on. And a lot of companies are canceling non-essential travel. A lot of companies are, are pulling back on travel for work. There's a lot of tele work that's going on now. There may be more of that. More schools might be closed. And especially in the U.S., because of our, our later testing, there will be a spike in the number of cases. Again, most will be mild. Many have been um, undiagnosed for a while. And the bottom line is not to panic. Practice hand hygiene. And as an infectious disease doctor who is now being asked all of these questions, hand hygiene is my best answer as we work on um, other things um, to help control the virus. So this has been 10 Minutes with TM File. Thank you for listening and 